Yesterday, over the dining table, the conversations flowed freely, along with the food. The familiar question gets posed. So what's been happening? Then for the next five hours, conversation between friends fills the room. Other members of the family join in the conversation as well. And with it, the common theme of shared love and history continues to build. And whilst I was there up in Queensland catching up with friends and Mary was absent, she was remembered with love and concern. Essential in any relationship, communication is key. Without it, the relationship can easily move to one of nostalgia or as um, Gautier uh, declared, as someone that I used to know. It should come as no surprise that without communication, our relationship with God can be more about tradition and nostalgia than being all it could be. So today, we embark on a new message series as we look at what it means to share God's heart. And it should come as no surprise that as we do, one of the primary things, one of the central things in that relationship is the importance of communication. It's critical that we communicate well and effectively with God to move tradition into transformation. Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you for the privilege of coming to you in prayer. We thank you that we can do this publicly without shame, without fear, that in a place like Australia, uh, we have this wonderful privilege to be able to publicly declare our allegiance to you. Lord, for this time, as we spend some time reflecting on your word a little bit, but also on the practice of prayer, would you use this time, Holy Spirit, to speak to us, to encourage us, to remind us of the significance of having a conversation with you. Amen. Now, there's a number of books that are written about um, prayer. And it can, you know, you can go to Google or whatever search engine and check out bookstores and they will have a range of books on prayer. There are chapters in theology textbooks about prayer. And I don't particularly want to add to those annuals as well today. But I thought it better to touch on a little bit of the, the theory or, or a couple of key points about prayer, but then to make sure that we spend time in prayer today. Like any muscle, anything in uh, or an aspect of relationship, we can spend so much time learning about something but still fail to practice it. Ultimately, it's through the practice of something that it builds the strength. And it's in doing that we become better disciplined. So today, for those at home, um, as well as those in the auditorium, I want us not to get lost in the head knowledge, but move quickly to the heart action of prayer. Now, it's reasonable to conclude that the forces of evil who oppose the kingdom of God want nothing more than to undermine our relationship with Creator God. And as with any relationship, undermining communication is an effective way to erode our relationship 
with God. Being too busy to pray. Being um, um, unmotivated to pray. Being demotivated because of thoughts about how prayer might not be as effective as we want it to be. Undealt with sin. Or doubting God's love for us. um, And his promises for us. Among other things can all be used by the evil one to drive a wedge between us and God. So, as a precursor for our time together in praying, and uh, for those that have um, questioned whether God wants to hear from us, then it's not good enough that we just think of God as being some distant God. I want us to encourage I want to encourage us to think about Genesis chapter 3 and a reflection on the significance of a relationship with God in that sort of a setting. Genesis chapter 3 has this to say. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day, he asked the woman, Did God really say that you must not eat from the, um, eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden. Of course we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the tree from the, um, in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom that it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it and then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened. And they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? Adam and Eve doubted God. Adam and Eve sinned. They they even felt the shame of their failure and tried to cover over their stuff up. Adam and Eve even tried to go into hiding from God because of what they'd done. And today, if you at all identify with Adam and Eve in any way, then I believe God wants you to hear this. Where are you? You see, in the midst of the mess that Adam and Eve found themselves in, in the stuff-ups, in the desire to go into hiding, God comes to seek out Adam and Eve, not the other way around. God calls out to Adam and Eve. And today, if you identify with Adam and Eve and wonder why on earth would God want to hear from you, then know that God is seeking you out. God is lovingly looking for you and wants to spend time 
with you. God wants to speak to converse with you. God wants to work through what's happening and where there is elements of hurt, where there might be brokenness that you experience, and to bring healing and restoration. God is ready for you and is postured towards you, not against you. The ultimate reality of this movement towards us is seen in the person of Jesus. And so three quick things that we can learn from Jesus and his attitude, his response to prayer, that can help us in ours today. Firstly, prayer in the quiet helps us to pray in the noise. Time and time again, we hear of Jesus who goes off by himself to pray, to talk with, to hear from God the Father. Jesus often prayed in a solitary and remote places for extended periods of time. In Luke chapter 5, 15 and 16, but despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power spread even faster and vast crowds came to hear him preach and to uh, be healed of their diseases. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. When you spend time with someone in the quiet, you learn and you remember and recognize their voice. The tone, the accent, the enunciation, the pace of speech. Once you know what it sounds like in those quieter moments, then when you hear that voice, you can hear it cut through all the noise, all the crowd, when the busyness and the noise takes place. Why? Because you've invested time in the quiet. So too for our relationship with God. When we invest time with God in the quiet, away from distractions and noise, we learn to recognize the Holy Spirit speaking to us from within. And so when things get noisy, we can recognize God's voice among the com competing noises and interests. Prayer is integral in critical decision-making. Jesus models the importance and the significance um, of prayer when it comes to crucial decisions. In Luke chapter 3, verses 21 and 22, and then skipping over to 4, verse 1, we read this. One day when the crowds were, be, uh, were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. And he was praying. And the heavens opened up and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River and he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And then later, in Luke 6, 12 and 13, we read, One day soon after, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray and he prayed to God all night. At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and he chose 12 of them to be apostles. And so too for us, when we're making decisions, prayer can be an important part of that process, an integral part of it. James puts it like this in James chapter 1 verse 5. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. And lastly, Jesus models to us that prayer was based around relationship, not 
requests. We would feel disappointed if our friends only were in contact with us and only came to us when they wanted something. Imagine how much more God longs for our prayer life, for our relationship with him to be based on and founded on that relationship rather than just on coming to God when we want something. Time and time again, Jesus centers his prayer based on relationship. So often we hear Jesus use the term Father in his prayer. Father, forgive them. Our Father. When Jesus teaches his disciples to pray. Or take time to read through John chapter 17. As he prays six times, he uses the term Father to address his relationship with God. Today, there can be a danger that we treat and uh, place God in, a, in more of an eBay, Amazon sort of a relationship that we go to him with our wish list. While God invites us to bring our longings and our requests to him, he longs for more than just a shopping list. God longs for our heart, a conversation centered on relationship, not on lists. Prayer in the quiet helps us to pray in the noise. Prayer is integral in critical decisions. And prayer should be based on relationship, not on request. So as we come to a time of prayer, please know that God is postured towards you. God is seeking you out. He's calling you. Where are you? May we use this time to say to God, here I am. Take time to talk with God. Share your heart with God. And listen to God's heart for you.